Well, good morning. I'm so glad you could be with me today in our Unfolding the Word studies. We're in the midst of a nine-day series looking at those events during the final week of Christ's public ministry leading to the cross, leading to the resurrection. All of these nine sessions are designed to really prepare our hearts to appreciate the wonder of Easter, the wonder of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That resurrection is the pivot point of history. It is the most important day of the Christian year. Today I want to pick up our reading in verse 44 of Luke chapter 20, 23. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And while the sunlight failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus, calling out in a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all of his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching all of these things. Christ was on the cross from the third through the sixth hour, from nine o'clock in the morning until three o'clock in the afternoon. Matthew, or Mark chapter 15, verse 25, helps us to see the beginning point on the third hour. Six hours of a very public suffering. Remember, that was Rome's intention in this form of execution, a very public suffering, humiliation for the victim, intimidation for the population. During the final three hours of this very public spectacle of Christ's death on the cross, God sent a darkness over the land. So from 12 until 3, there was a darkness over the land. It tells us here it was over the whole land, and the the idea and the structure of that means over the whole of Judea. Not all of the earth, but Judea. Therefore, whether you were there as a spectator at the cross or just simply ignoring it all, trying to get on with your life in Jerusalem and the rest of Judea, there would have been something that caught your attention. Uh, not a momentary eclipse of the sun, but three solid hours of darkness, the absence of light. Everyone would have been grasping to make sense out of what was happening. I wanted to underscore, as we are looking at the death of Christ on the cross, the fact that while the suffering he went through was horrendous, both leading up to the cross and then in the crucifixion itself, the key in critical suffering that took place that ultimately paid for our sin was the suffering of separation from the Father. The penalty of sin is separation from God. Romans 3.23 reminds us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 also reminds us that the wages of sin is death. In other words, not only are we all sinners, but sin matters. Sin cannot dwell in the presence of a holy God and a just and righteous God. Accountability and judgment is demanded. That's the reality. 
all, because they have sinned, are separated from God. And that separation would become an eternal separation as ultimately they stood before God upon their death. They would have no way of atoning for their own wrong and sin. We needed a Savior who could save us from separation. And that is exactly what we had in the Lord Jesus Christ as he died on the cross on our behalf. I was thinking how it's put in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. It says, they will suffer the punishment of eternal separation, destruction, away from the very presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints, and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. In other words, underscoring for us this separation reality that sin causes. Getting back to Christ in his death on the cross. In order to truly pay for our sin, the penalty of which was separation from God, the Son of God on the cross is now necessarily, because our sins were laid on him, separated from the Father, separated for the first time in eternity. Can you grasp that? It's, a, it's an awe-inspiring reality. The first time in eternity. The significance of his death and the cost of his death. The Son is separated from the Father. Unless we think this is just some sort of academic thing, the agony of that separation that Jesus underwent for you and for me is seen in the language used in the cross itself. Christ begins and ends the time on the cross by addressing his Father, asking the Father initially to forgive the people doing it because they didn't know what they were doing. And eventually at the end, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. But in the period of darkness, where the sins of mankind were laid upon him, it was at that period of time where his response to the Father changes. And he, in that period of time, cries out in despair. Matthew chapter 27 tells us what he said. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reality is sin separates from the Father. Jesus Christ bore our sin on the cross. And in going to that cross and bearing our sin. Remember, he was innocent. He accepted a separation for a period of time from the Father. Now, how all of that works in the framework of the triune God is beyond our comprehension completely, but we can grasp the truth of it, and that is the truth of it, separation. <coughs> now, what's the outcome of that? The outcome of that is this. If we have turned to Jesus Christ as Savior, repented and believed in the work that he accomplished for us on that cross, we will never 
have to face the reality of having to cry out before God with the words he was using, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because we will pass out of judgment into life. We will not have to stand before the judgment seat, that great white throne, and have to answer for our sin and accept the separation, eternal separation, that would be the outcome of it. All who refuse to repent and believe in the work that Jesus Christ has done will, however, be repeating those words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because they will be forsaken due to their sin. And listen, when Jesus called out to the Father, it says he called out with a loud voice. If it caused Jesus to cry out with a loud voice, all of those who stubbornly go to their deaths, having rejected the gospel, refusing to repent and believe in Christ, will cry out in a loud voice as well. <clears throat> a loud voice that says, I am lost. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But we have passed out of judgment into life because of him. <clears throat> How can we ever thank God enough for this? It's the wonder of the cross. We have one who took our sin and its separation upon himself. How can we thank him? Have you taken advantage of that work done on your behalf? As I say so often to you, today is the day of salvation. <laughs> today is the day to repent and believe. If you've never done that, please do it today. Respond to the one who took the separation you deserve upon himself so that you could gain the acceptance you didn't deserve that was his. God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 well, join me tomorrow as we continue to look yet more at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ.